1: 18
4: plus The Curse Episode 7 Self-Isolation is over, but here on we Recap you're just getting started. My name is grace but of course I'm not alone. Someone I paid twenty thousand dollars in cash for consultation on this pod. It's Dr. Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. There's not a banana in my pocket. I oh. am this happy to be on the podcast of oh, <laughs> um, Uh, Yeah, here we are back for another episode of The Curse. Grace, Um, right after we recorded our last episode, there was another Curse promo that came out that we didn't get to oh, talk about on the okay. pod.
4: I don't think I've seen this.
2: I did I send think. it to you. It oh. was the... That's right. It, it was the first episode of Flipanthropy.
4: That's right. You did send it to me and then I, I was doing something. I was like, I'll watch this later and then I didn't watch it later. So oh, no. uh, it's a full eight minutes. Wow. It's I'm a, just clicking on it now. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's a full, it's a full eight minutes. It's it's really good. It's comedy gold. Like, I don't know if you've gotten a lot of this, Grace, but um over the you know, the past few weeks, people know that I'm covering this and I've gotten a lot of questions like. Like, should I watch this? Like, would I like it? Yeah. I like I like Nathan for you. Would I like this? Or the, the rehearsal kind of freaked me out. Like people are saying that this is really good. And then some people are saying this isn't at all funny. Um, I, I think that having this clip to distribute of what the uh, the show Flipanthropy is supposed to be um, mm-hmm. is, is a good intro to whether or not you would you would like the show.
4: Okay. Um yeah, I will watch it. I probably watch it now just because it's eight minutes, but yeah, I will watch it, I promise. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like um all the people who like said at the beginning they were so kind to be like, Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it because you're podcasting about it, and then watched it and hated it, and they're like, Actually, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I I loved, yeah, just like it's so interesting. This is uh one of the more interesting shows in terms of it does really seem like it's the most polar polarizing show. We've talked mm-hmm. about here on Posture Recaps in a while. I don't know that anything else is, is giving us such dramatic differences uh, in terms of people either love it or hate it.
2: Well, I love nothing more than getting right into the fray and taking on the big controversial topic. So um, we've obviously been having a great time with this show, though, Grace. Agreed. You and I are we're, we're, we're on the right page. We get the art. See, you don't you don't eat the
4: turkey. Don't eat the turkey. I think you are supposed to eat the turkey, but that's fine. Oh no. Um, you don't
2: eat don't eat the chicken, the bathroom yeah. chicken, maybe.
4: Um I will say I feel like a lot of the feedback that I've been seeing about the show the last while is like, I don't know where it's going. And mm-hmm. I, I will say that I di- I do think I, I think the show is I, I feel like you can see where each individual track and like story might be going, but I don't necessarily see if I see how they are all going to tie together neatly. Mm. And maybe that's not what the show um, is about—that that these like individual threads need to all tie up in a nice in a nice bow. Because certainly, you can feel like there is tragedy bound to happen with the show, Flipanthropy, or is it is it *Green Queen*? I don't know if we've officially <laughs> um, got the got the name changed. There's also still a lot happening with um whitney and her parents um mm-hmm. there's the casino drama that comes back up this week yeah. fully i don't know what's happening with nala uh, right at, at all and how that mm-hmm. relays back into the rest of the show so but i i kind of am loving that that mystery and i think that the themes of the show and the way that everything is so everything feels so intentional that it, that it feels like um we will get some sort of ending um Satisfying, I don't know. Uh, but that might just be because like the TV show. It's like when we felt like at the end of the succession, it was like, I don't know if I feel good about it, but I think it's exactly uh-huh. what they wanted me to feel about mm-hmm. it. Yeah.
2: Yes. Um, I mean, I didn't know how I was gonna feel at the end of the rehearsal and where that show was going, and that ended up having like one of the more profound effects on me of any show that I've watched in the last few years. So um I I think that with this creative team. Um, going on a journey that is more meandering and less direct, and not really having your bearings throughout the process, is is part of the design.
4: Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, should we talk about self isolation? Um, we mm-hmm. open with Nala. She's in gym class, and uh, she's whispering uh, to this girl Josie as she's on the on the doing the rope climb which i didn't know they do still in gym class yeah uh,
2: i have to ask my kids if they're doing yeah. this because like i don't think that i don't think my kids
4: could climb up this rope it's hard it's really it hard it looks
2: really hard do you yeah. think can, can you are you good at getting up the rope grace
4: no i don't think i would get <laughs> up the rope unfortunately i think at one point in my life i could have i don't know if, mm-hmm. i don't think if like uh the covid years have been kind to me and my rope climbing ability. that's yes yes uh, you mm-hmm. you
2: don't get to go to the rope gym as often no, as you used that's to right. um,
4: yeah no. josie
2: is a real whiz with this rope though
4: truly really is uh even though nala the whole time was whispering fall <laughs> fall uh seems like potentially a bit of a a, a tiny curse although it feels mm-hmm. like it'd be a big big curse if she fell off the top of the rope um and then Nala tries it, and she can't get up. And after a few few moments, the teacher's like, "Yeah, okay, I think like don't go hogging all the rope." <laughs> it's so mean. And Josie, very sweetly comes over and says, "Like, good, good try." And Nala does not respond. And I love Josie's line of says, "Well, if that's how it's going to be, at least I tried." And she get <laughs> yeah. away.
2: Yeah, this was, uh, you know, we've talked about how the show, um, you know, like these are a lot of the casting was done locally in Española. And maybe these aren't like the most like polished professional actors, but they almost have this like charm and authenticity because of that. And the performances feel like very real. And, you know, I don't maybe 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 the actress who plays Nala is going to, you know, go on to be very, very Really have a brilliant acting career, but mm-hmm. like, there's something that's very, very perfect about the way <laughs> that she does this. And the teacher here, I thought, was so weird.
4: Teacher's this was very,
2: yeah. very strange.
4: Like, no social, like, real, is it like, uh, because he's like, <laughs> tries once, he says, Good job. It's <laughs> like, he's like, you like know, okay. maybe like, keep trying instead of, you know, you know, anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then she tells and then she reports the other kid for bullying her. And he's yeah. just like, well, just be positive and look within <laughs> yourself and try your best. Be the best that you can be. And I was like, really?
4: Well, unless they're hurting you, they can't hurt you. Is <laughs> what he says, I believe. Which I mean, I mean, I guess I guess. But yeah, no emotional, not much emotional intelligence from the gym teacher. I don't know. No, I don't think. no. Yeah,
2: this, but so this is like a very interesting scene to open the episode with. Like we we have and we end
4: it we end and episode. we
2: end with yeah. so we open and we end with Nala. So this is definitely reinforcing the curse that the curse is still a notion that is present. And I thought that this was very interesting because we see here Nala's intent is to tiny curse this frenemy of hers who she hates for being so good at climbing up a (laughs) rope. Uh Um, And, I, you know, and the show does a really good job of building tension. You see this kid climbing, and they're focusing on the where the rope is attached to the ceiling, and you're like, yeah. "Oh no! Oh yeah. no! Oh yeah. no! What's going to happen?" Yeah. To be fair, we were talking before child.
4: that some people thought this this show is going to be very scary, and while I don't think in practice like an outcome, it's actually that scary, but they do try to make it seem like it's like it's a very like horror movie like, yeah. like soundtrack and. Mm. Um,
2: so you you do have a lot of concern and it builds this tension and anxiety. Yeah. And then Josie is completely safe. She comes down yeah. from the rope completely unharmed. And like the question is the show showing us this to one indicate that Nala is still very concerned with curses. And we know that we heard from Abshir that. He worked very hard to get her off of this curse thing. And of course, Asher does not respect his wishes and immediately starts talking to her more about curses. So Nala is believing that she has this power or at least testing it out. Um, And there seems to be, at least in this opening scene, some confirmation that maybe Nala does not have these magical telekinetic powers that can move chicken from a penne dinner to a bathroom or make a little girl fall in gym class.
4: Yeah, I think we can get into it more once we get to the the end cuz mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like we leave this scene and we're like, "Well, it didn't work." So, yeah, she she might still be stuck on it, but it it clearly didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the episode is like, "Actually, maybe maybe I you know." It? But did it? Yeah, who knows. Know. So, yeah. All right, so Whitney's on a mission. She's going to go to the golf course and she buys the racist uh, indigenous statue and uh it <laughs> flies out of the car and she has to like pick it up from the street i definitely i was waiting you know this there's been so many like you know in this episode we do have asher like secretly recording his conversations with his mm-hmm. wife um and all the ways we've seen like through the like the lens uh like through the the, the the keyhole in the door mm-hmm. like or whatever um like all of this st- like secretly filming and all of this stuff and so i waiting for that where it's like yeah she's picking up this racist statue off of the, off the ground we don't get anything this episode but yeah so she delivers it off to kara and uh it's a gift uh she couldn't stand that it was at the at the golf course um and now she can use it for her art i like Kara being like oh you like paid you like paid someone for it <laughs> she's like oh yeah and then goes maybe i can sign it for you and you can buy it she goes well yeah, yeah not not this piece. And also I need a release. So why don't you sign the release? That I have? It's
2: so funny. I love Kara being like, well, I could just sign this yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you could pay me money to take this thing away that you just bought, which I, which would be brilliant. I mean, that that's amazing. Um, yeah. When Whitney puts the racist statue in front of Kara's door <laughs> and hides and hide. so that she's going to open the door and see a freaking racist statue that is being that is directly aggressing against Kara's identity. I was like, yeah. this is so horrible. like what it's a- like,
4: I'm calling the police this, this is, hara- no, no.
2: This is <laughs> harassment. like yeah. this is this is I, whatever Whitney thinks her intentions are, like this is completely. Uh, a like abusive behavior this is terrible um and Whitney is like giggling she can barely contain how but she's delighted by her joke she says like oh I think your new friend is cold and uses this as a way to muscle her way through the door
4: what I think is is so good about the commentary here is that Whitney does she's using the one thing that she does have which is money money although we do learn that but it's not, she actually maybe doesn't have any money. It's her mm-hmm. father's money in which she uses it to then. Yeah. Like remove the statue from the golf course, but then put all of the onus on like what to do or how to like move forward with like the removal of it on the people who are, you know, uh, subjugated to the racism of the thing that she's doing. So she's basically saying, to like, yeah, here, I'm going to put this statue in your house and now, you know, now you can do what you want with that, with that. And even when she's like basically saying like, Okay. Well, will you will you just take it? She's will like, you just well, no. take? it? Well, no, it's racist. So I'm not going to take it. It's like, well, then why would I? Why would I want it? Like, why did you know,
2: she? Want it? Why did she want it in her house now? And then you know, and Whitney's like, I wasn't going to just leave it at this golf course where there's children there.
4: The correct answer would be, you call Karen. You're like, yeah, there's a racist statue. What do you what what what, what would we- you think we should do? Like, you know, I could pay for it to be removed, and then what should we do with it? But instead, it's like all of this Whitney, a continuation of Whitney thinking. I know how to do good in the world without yeah. realizing that she puts a lot of the onus on all, on all of the actual work to do it mm-hmm. on the people who are already subjected to the work of living in the system. Basically. I think it's, yeah, I mean, it feels like a deep, you know, uh, reflection on like she bought a statue and dropped off at someone's house. But this is why no, I think this is why I'm liking this. Show. Yes, I think
2: oh. it's, it's abso- I think that's absolutely all there in the text of the show. Um, And it's it and it does. And I think Whitney is such a um an interesting character because like we see her actions being so ineffective at what she thinks or what she likes to present her intentions as being, but maybe her actual intention is, is, is something that's a little bit more selfish, self-involved has to do with her maintaining her appearance. Because the other option, Grace is if you really want to get rid of this statue, this racist statue, then just get rid of it. Then just buy it and get rid of it. Like, don't like dump it on, like you're literally dumping it on, on somebody else's, doorstep. Um really, really good stuff.
4: Is this the second time I'm gonna bring up Mr. Beast on a podcast with you? Or are you familiar with Mr. Mr. Beast? I I,
2: I am familiar, like I like I know about it, but I do try to avoid it. Uh um, yeah. everything I know about Mr. Beast I've learned against my will.
4: So I actually I actually don't think there's like I think you can criticize Mr. Beast and also be like uh there's systems in place that mean so basically Mr. Beast has a lot of stuff where he'll just be like uh, I'm gonna pay for like 10,000 people to have eye surgery and he'll do Mm -hmm. it, but then he obviously like films the whole thing. His response to that would be like, yeah, then we, that's how I get ad revenue to then pay for all the stuff I want to do. And so it's like, and it's also like, yeah, like, of course, like, the government should provide it. But, like, they don't. So mm-hmm. are, why are you mad that I'm, I'm doing it? Then he also mm-hmm. does silly things where he, like, opens a Mr. Beast, like, burger shop and gives out free burgers. Like, he does all of the – a lot of his stuff is, like, competitions, giving out money, yeah. whatever. He'll be like, here's a circle, you, anything you fit in the store. Like, he's – it's a, it's that sort of thing. I feel like it's almost, like, the, the more, like, lesser – like, there's a lot of TikToks you'll see where it's, like, you know – um, like giving homeless people 100 like and and so there is this I, I think like there this idea that doing something good also has to come with like then the appreciation of doing mm-hmm. something good there's like a big piece of feedback on that i can't understand like the Mr. Beast of the world who are like, yeah, but like then I it drives me to be able like the capitalist structure then allows me. I have mm. to show the video so then I mm-hmm. can get the ad revenue. But it's just it, it's very similar here to like Whitney. Yeah, she can't just like take the statue and throw it away. She's also trying to actively build a friendship with, with Kara while also wanting to make her sign um, paperwork so that she can use her art in the show. So it's like, uh, it, you know, it's a very layered thing that she's doing here to buy the statue. Not that she wants the statue to be gone. She's actually doing it so that she can have a partnership and a friendship with Kara. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm glad that you brought this up because I, this has been, um this has been like a notion that I've been thinking of and I've been on the verge of bringing it up for a few podcasts now, um, but there's this notion in um there's this notion in Judaism about Sadaka, which is, you know, charity, which is the act of giving. And, um, I think it's interesting that they make Whitney a convert to Judaism and that they sort of forefront, um, you know, Asher's faith and that Whitney is a convert to this faith. But, um, the philosopher Maimonides, uh, enumerated eight different levels of giving in terms Mm. of how good and righteous they are. And, um, the the worst one is um, the worst one is giving out of pity Um, and then like there's these different levels that have to do with whether or not you were asked and then also whether or not you know who the recipient is and the recipient knows who you are and like the best giving is if you are, as the giver, are unknown, and the recipient of your gift is unknown. And, like, so you, like, there's no there's no credit, and there's, like, no – So, like, that's, like, the highest, most righteous form of giving, is giving anonymously to an unknown recipient. So, mm. like – and Whitney is, like, very much, like, she has to – all of her good deeds, like, have to be – Attributed to her. She has to get credit. And like, you know, so it's like it's very clear that like it's like lower forms of of giving if like if you can even consider it like true Sadaka at all. Um, But I thought that 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 was kind of an interesting notion to apply to the way the seagulls see themselves as doing good.
4: Yeah, so yeah, she they make money off of all this good stuff they're doing. They get a television show, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. So Kara's not sure that she can sign the form, and Whitney's like, "That's fine. It would just be really hard to cut around (laughs) all the footage we've already shot." And Kara brings up her parents, and Whitney says, "Like, oh, like, oh, interesting. It's all my parents. This is so good that you're being honest with me. Nobody tells me the truth. I'm having marriage problems actually with Asher, which I." I'm intrigued by this, where she says, like, mm-hmm. Ash only cares about the finances, and she wants to, like, just do good. And um, I do love when Whitney's like, I should go, and Remain's sitting is, like, one of my favorite Whitney things in this episode. Uh, and then she's going to offer her the job of the consultant, and they're going to talk about whether it can be anonymous. He's like, no, but, you know, not about your art, you'll just consult. When Whitney is like, oh, you're being honest with me. Doesn't this mm-hmm. feel like... There's, you know, similarly to the joke class we'll learn, mm. it's very important for there to be a kernel of truth mm-hmm. in in a joke. But in this case, I think in terms of Whitney trying to get Kara to do exactly what Whitney would like her to do. And so there's a kernel of truth that she's unhappy in her marriage. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting piece, and, and obviously Whitney and Ash's relationship will become there, there'll be a, a big conflict here later in the episode. But how truthful when she's saying like, "Yeah, I'm unhappy in my marriage," like how? I mean, clearly this is not her being like, ah, I'm coming to you for support and guidance about my unhappiness in my marriage." This is like, "Feel bad for me so that you will sign off on the paperwork and do the consulting job so that I can feel better about how my show's going." And so it's a very interesting conversation I think here between Whitney. Yes.
2: And um, it's very manipulative, and she just learned this trick in the last episode from Dougie. Dougie told her, if you don't want attention to be on, you know, the hardships of the town or what's going on with your parents, if you don't want people to ask questions about the things you're trying to hide, then be vulnerable about something else. Use your marriage with Asher as the scapegoat because if people see that you're being vulnerable about that, then they'll be more likely to believe you about other things. and so that was Dougie's advice about the show to make Asher the butt of the joke, to use him um, as a, as like a whipping boy so that she can look better comp- comparably in the eyes of the audience. She's very much deploying that strategy right now on Kara by saying, Asher only cares about the money. We're having problems in our marriage. I'm unhappy. And she creates this sympathy in the moment that makes Kara a little bit more warm to her and lowers Kara's defenses so that she's actually able to get in her pitch about the consultancy job.
4: Yeah. Um, Again, just about consulting, not about her art being in the show. Mm -hmm. They're two separate things. So many
2: key points are glossed over here by Whitney, by the way. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, because Kara's obviously really concerned and and totally rightly that her reputation could be destroyed by being associated with, like, this kind of predatory developmental project. And whitney is desperately looking to attach cara's name to it for the very reason that it'll give her more legitimacy so i'm really like this is another situation that i think we have to wait and see how this other shoe is going to drop
4: also so manipulative to have already filmed all this stuff with mm. her art in your house mm. to then be like you know okay please i need you to sign the release And actually it'll be super hard to cut around um mm. if you don't sign off on the release uh yeah Manipulative is the best word, I think, to describe Whitney in the situation. All right. We have the joke class. Uh, we're going to learn about Rodney Dangerfield and how self-deprecating humor works. No um,
2: respect. I get no, oh, no respect, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the,
4: the, yeah. Uh, he's so ugly that uh, the kids will give him candy on Halloween. Great joke. Um, then we move into this like joke about the the mother and smothering. And he really does. this. Um, the teacher really does not love a pun. He wants to move away from pun mm-hmm. and a, a fully crafted joke, and he comes up with essentially like, "I I got to be careful that I don't like suffocate and kill my child to get charged with first degree smothering." What a joke! What a joke! <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. This this
2: is it's so funny because the whole like premise of this class is that he's there. people are being coached in workplace comedy like this is the idea that these are people who need some help to be funny in situations where being appropriate and not crossing any of these lines is like particularly important and I feel like he just goes to these really inappropriate like like talking about we'll get to like the whole thing with Asher's joke but even like killing your children like <laughs> telling people to make jokes about how they're so overprotective that they're killing their children like it's just, this this is this this person needs a corporate he needs a class on yeah. how to teach a corporate comedy class
4: well if he was a real if he was a real comedian, he'd be on youtube <laughs> be like asher's
2: youtube <laughs>
4: um so, so then they move to Asher. And the first event, it's like the career change. Like you were fired. No one wants you. There's something we can work with. Then. He goes, no, no, no. It's a contract. And I chose to laugh. He's like, no, but there has to be Colonel Truth. How about the secret thing you told me? How about we talk about that? And the conversation is basically like, yeah, they start talking about penis size, But there seems to be uh, an understanding from other people that this is a joke about maybe Asher wanting to masturbate. and And so they're like, why do I need to hear? They basically are like. This is very problematic. It's like, no, no, it's not about mastery. It's just about that Asher has a small penis. And that's a very classic funny thing. And so we should work through this joke. And the, the class kind of like revolts. I will yeah. say, you know, we don't give out like MVP points. Or, and I'm not giving it to this community. But I, I'd consider he managed to effectively throw Asher so far under the bus, even though it's entirely his fault that this conversation comes up at all asher rightly is like i didn't actually want to talk about that i only brought it up to you in private and then you brought it up in front of the whole class and then when they started to rebel against the class you said well yeah i think it's asher's fault that he brought it up. <laughs> that he has a small penis it's it's quite the scene i mean it's such it's such a
2: wild it's such a wild scene um yeah this show is really getting a lot of material out of the small penis bit um yeah. Yeah, uh, making making the most of, uh, you know, when life gives you small bananas, you stretch them out.
4: My favorite here is when he's like, Asher tries the like, is that a banana in your pocket joke? And then yeah. the guy's like, no, no. And he's like, oh, right, because like bananas can't be stretched. Like, it's like, something that can be stretched. Uh, it's like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Like, you know, Asher's
2: like, oh, I get why. It I get why
4: stretched. it's wrong. Yeah.
2: <laughs> because bananas can't be
4: stretched. <laughs>
2: yeah um, yeah it's it's just it's just the premise that asher would have like in confidence told this teacher it's very
4: bad for that he has
2: a small penis and then that the teacher does this and he says
4: asher made a joke that offended everyone and now that we should take this as a learning opportunity <laughs> oh it's so bad it's so bad um yeah, so uh, Asher is not welcome back in the class. He maybe can join another one later. And again, we see very angry. We see very angry Asher as he yells at the man about how he'd be on YouTube, not teaching a comedy Yeah, class.
2: Asher has a temper, and I think that we've like seen this enough that we can predict that he's going to have – a pretty bad meltdown at some point that his temper is ultimately going to be something that gets him in, in trouble in a big way. Yeah. I think that's my prediction yeah. for Asher at this point. But um. Yeah, no, unfortunately, um, you know, no more, no more comedy class for Asher.
4: Wow. The best part, though, it's going to be about chicken and not all the actual real things he should be upset about in life. Right. Like He's going to freak out about something yeah. to do with chicken. And it's like, yeah. no, but there's all this stuff that like every people are like manipulating you, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway.
1: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: I love Ash listening to Kevin Hart on the way home. <laughs> All it's right, like, plan B.
2: It's like, yeah, this, now this is what's really funny. <laughs> Come on.
4: And then he runs over the package, the food delivery package. He comes inside. Whitney's on the phone, and she decides to take the call into another room. And um, he turns on the TV and sees the end of the report on the casino with Monica. As he rewatches it, he notices that he himself is actually in the footage. The story being that the control board is supposed to have these people who can sign up for a self isolation program where they are
2: exclusion. Exclusion, right? right? Yeah.
4: They can stop themselves from gambling, but the gambling, the control board actually, let them. and this is actually a bit super sinister what happens, which is mm-hmm. not just that. Once she has gambled and they realize she's in there and they stop her from gambling, in fact, they take away all of her winnings that she won, which feels extremely illegal. But alas, she had signed up for this self-exclusion program. Um, yeah, this we get sort of the reveal of like a little bit more. We, we knew, obviously knew there was some sketchy stuff going on at the casino. We see the, the lights and the, and the wristbands. Um, this is pretty nefarious here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so all of that, all of those kind of subtle forms of uh, social control and manipulation are completely fine. Um, But there is a uh, there is a uh, gaming board that is in um, that is responsible for uh, making sure that there are some protections in place for people who have gambling addictions and who are very vulnerable to being financially harmed by, um, by gambling. And there are these self-exclusionary programs where people can sign up and basically ban themselves from, from gambling. And now we know that when Asher went back to the casino and got that footage from Bill's computer, we know that this is the footage that we're going to actually see in Monica's report. And the footage reveals That, of course, like as we might have predicted, this wasn't just a failure of the gaming control board. This was a collusion between the casino and the gaming control board where they were like allowing somebody to gamble, 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 like put their money in these machines. They had a big win. And then all of those winnings earnings were recouped by the casino. And it's very clear this footage that Asher... Is laughing, he's being very chummy with this gaming control officer. Um, so this is the big story. Um, it's the back of Asher's head, so I don't know that he can he's not ID'd or named in this story. Like Monica does he's, not
4: they believe he's literally an unnamed uh, casino mm-hmm. employee, is what they say in the news report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad the fact that they would take all week. the all the money and then yeah, and so Whitney is like you were laughing, and uh, Asher says, "Totally misrepresented." Actually, I was just trying to be friendly to persuade him. Like it's a very complicated situation, Whitney. You would not understand. And she basically reveals, like, "You don't do anything good unless I make you do do good things." It's very interesting. Going back to the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. we talked about like, "Why are these two together?" And um, you know, it it does seem like he, you know, he's very protective of her, and he does go along with all of the things. Um, he sometimes you know is is more interested in the financials than, than she is literally I believe in this conversation she gets charged he's like why are there all these charges for jeans <laughs> she like, so they won't call the cops Asher um but uh yeah we get this like you know does seem to be some real uh you know marriage dispute here about the fact that she believes that actually Asher might not be this great guy without her influence to to make him be better um, yeah. which is a lot to bear for women
2: yeah and it, it takes me back to that argument that they had um, that, that fight that they had around the uh, Instagram stuck sweater yes. incident where um, he says, you know, sometimes you say these things and I could accuse you right. of things, but I don't because I give you the benefit of the doubt because I know that your heart is good and you never yeah. do that for me. And it's interesting, like the way that Asher talks about how he was being friendly to the gaming control bored person because it's a complicated situation and you know what was good for the casino um like i mean whitney definitely behaves in with kara and in, with in, in in disingenuous ways a yes. lot of the time to get what she wants for her own ultimate gain um so really interesting how like whitney is sort of seeing in asher some things that you could very easily level against Whitney she's just a little bit better at hiding all of it yeah and it's like partially I think this is the reason that it disgusts her so much
4: yeah um yeah I think this is this is very good I, I, you know this idea of like yeah it's the clip because he's try- the whole reason this is happening is that he's defending her from Monica asking Whitney about her parents and so he's trying to say like no no and and it, he gets so upset that it's like they need to find something else like a carrot um, exactly. so that they don't run the story and this is what they end up doing and it happens to be it's it's footage of Asher joking around about the fact that they're going to go take all this money like yeah let her gamble because mm-hmm. we're going to take it back anyway um, or she'll lose it or or what have you so um, the way it, the, you know for as much as I, I said the beginning like I do think I don't exactly know how I see everything fitting together I do think some of the things That they've done so far to weave the story together have been really, like, I think this is like, you know, this is sort of like an interesting moment in the story because as it, it pushes Whitney to, to wonder whether or not as, as Dougie is being like, let's create some of the conflict that we know is right. there. And she's like opening up to everyone. Now she's like opening up to Asher being like, yeah, I don't think you're a good person unless I make you do good things.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's definitely showing like their relationship, the tensions rising. um And this is like very much been sort of uh, spurred on by Dougie's insistence, but like, you know, just like uh, the comedy teacher would say there's a kernel of truth there
4: yeah so Wendy's gonna drive to set did you notice that she passes by like essentially like a protest van uh um, oh. sort of like yeah i i believe it's like i think it's like a van and they have all these signs and they're holding up signs mm-hmm. and i just caught it it's very quick, and I don't know that it will matter mm-hmm. at all other than, like, a, a moment. There's lots in this episode. I th- I don't think it's here. I think it's in the next scene where Kara just seemingly has, like, an awful roommate. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going to really matter to the show, but there's just some yeah. stuff put in. I feel like the protest fan is just another example of the way in which, like, they think they're doing good, and yet there are, like, these people who are, you know, out there, you know, doing... right 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 again i don't know if it's anything or the sikh
2: temple it's just sort of like building the texture of the place
4: around them yeah so whitney's going to be interviewed by dougie and he asks how her relationship is going and she basically is like yeah sometimes you spend years with someone and you don't think you think you know them and then you start to catch these glimpses of who they might be and you don't know is that the true self coming out or uh is, is my idea of them just a projection or is that real um he asks if Asher's ever holding her back, um, and then says, "Yeah, but at the end of the day, like you're strong, like you'll survive, right?" And she just says, "Next, qu- next question." Yeah, yeah. rough interview. Yeah. This
2: is uh, this is this is getting real. Dougie Dougie is loving this.
4: A hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he so Asher. We see him. He's fully distorted in like the.
2: Oh my goodness! It's like the funhouse mirror. Yeah face. I actually like I opened up my like photo booth app on my Mac recently. And I was like went to the paint the like the distorted faces. It's so funny watching him get the makeup with this like giant distorted face and he's like yeah that looks good
4: yeah so funny uh yeah i like these ones my, my nieces really love like instagram or like snapchat mm-hmm. filters we do that so yeah every once in a while you get like that one right where it's just like mm-hmm. your, your face is so distorted um but just again it's like the cinematography of the show this is the style right mm-hmm. and um asher uh uh asks Whitney if she can be home for Shabbat, which she says she can't be. Um, this is where she's like reveals that the, she gave the credit card to the store, so she's going to confront her. Mm-hmm. And then Dougie's going to sit Asher down for an interview, but they find out that Whitney went long, so they're going to have to come in tomorrow. There's nothing they can do. The the crew needs to be able to go home. And then Dougie is like very sharp here. He's like, "Oh, you look good for Shabbat dinner." Which, like, thank you for for not inviting me. For never inviting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cutting here.
2: Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah, no, this scene is this whole scene is great. Like even from going back to, you know, the interesting filming choices of showing him only at, in his reflection in the distorted mirror. I think, again, this is like this theme of for a reality TV show, how the camera or how the editorial choices are distorting what's there. Like something is there, but it's different. The kind of kernel of truth, but we're going to blow it up for like yeah. comedy or we're going to blow it up for the purpose of what we want to show in in this television show and what we want to hide. Um, so I think that all of that is playing in to this theme and it's almost like, so this is, Dougie is going to, at the end of this, get very sharp and, you know, and, and tear into Asher for never inviting him to Shabbat. Um, but this is also like, you know, kind of playing with Asher, making him sit through makeup, sit yeah. around, wait to do this interview and then get him in the chair and then be like, oh, actually – just kidding, we don't have time for you. Um, Again, like sort of showing Whitney is taking up more space and it's edging Asher out. Like Asher is kind of getting pushed out of the relationship with Dougie, pushed out of the show, pushed out of his marriage. So I think that this is all playing into that. Um, And Asher and, um, and Whitney and Dougie are kind of developing this bond around their exclusion of asher like at this point like they're developing yeah. a bond making asher the butt of the joke and sort of bonding over criticizing him
4: yeah Similar to i i, I wanted to dive into the karen whitney conversation earlier i also think there is a kern- There's a kernel of truth here, right? This is essentially, uh, I, th- I think, is a joke from Doug. like thanks for never for Shabbat. But mm-hmm. the truth is, in like, no, I'm actually I'm kind of upset that you would never think to invite me for Shabbat. Yeah. But I and I'm gonna say this, but I, you know, I am joking, but I'm not really joking. But I also think it's like the venue for him to continue to like create a wedge between. Like he's mm-hmm. he's trying to rile up Asher, who you know he has seen be upset, mm-hmm. and what he wants is like the conflict. And we have all these moments where Asher gets upset and you know we talked about like we're waiting for the moment where Asher's finally gonna like you know blow the lid off of his you know it's not gonna be able to control it and I think Dougie's trying to like get him there um, he's that, blowing
2: like, the menthol in his eyes that's right
4: years to come out that's right he's doing it through this like you know thanks for never like he's he's directing the like at him but he's you know so I, I it feels like that's what he's doing but like I don't know how like I think Dougie you know we've seen so many scenes of him early on where he wants to have a relationship a friendship with both Uh, asher and whitney but more times with asher they're old friends they go way back um and so he's kind of using this i think to yeah try to try to hopefully get something out of him that they can use on the television show so whitney's with her dad Uh, and he says like, we're gonna If we do it that way, we're wasting money. Might as well throw it down the drain. And she says, well, I do think we should do a wire transfer. And He says, no, I'll just give you cash. Mm -hmm. He goes inside and he gives her $40,000, $10,000 more than she wanted. And he basically says, well, that's so I don't have to come back next time. And uh, she says, there won't be a next time. This is a loan. Um, and, uh, he says, well, do you want the market interest rate or the friends rate? Um, so yeah, she is clearly being secretly funneled money by her father. Uh, for her yes. whatever endeavor she's she's doing mostly jeans, i think
2: Mo- this is good no. yeah so this is going to be the money like partially the money that whitney is going to turn around and give yes. right to kara um of course so we've noted that whitney um has tried to portray herself as being completely independent of her parents like this development project has nothing to do with their right. development. Um, right. But, but financially they are the same. Like she is being completely bankrolled by her parents. So to act as though she is in no way complicit in the things that they are responsible for is completely disingenuous. And this is a link that I think we can predict when we think about like all of the uh, looming threads that could come down and destroy the seagulls Um Whitney's links with her parents are absolutely going to come to light. This is going to be something that is going to be extremely damaging to Kara's reputation as an artist. Um, This is going to destroy Whitney's credibility. Does it mean that the show doesn't get made? Maybe it means a very different show gets made. Maybe it's a show that Dougie's a little bit more excited about with a little bit more friction in it, where maybe Whitney and Asher are both the bad guys. So, I think that this is interesting. Um, Corbin Benson is back. I like him very much. But this portrayal of the relationship between Whitney and her father is, you know, she is a spoiled girl. little like the spoiled yeah. girl who yeah. goes to her dad to solve all of the problems. He is completely comfortable with that dynamic. He enables that um but she's trying to sort of have her cake and eat it too have her endless supply of daddy's money and then get credit for sort of building her own thing from the ground up
4: yeah what i think is pretty interesting here in these sort of back-to-back scenes where whitney gets the money uh and then where she goes and gives the money to kara is that whitney does want the money to potentially come on the on sort of the up and up that they should not she should not get cash that she should get wired the money but that and that feels like the dad being like no no we're gonna like you're wasting money we're gonna get like ta- like you know right. for whatever reason you're gonna you're gonna lose some of it if i do it the way that you're supposed to do it because of like tax laws or whatever whatever mm-hmm. but then she goes and she says here i'm gonna give you 20 the, the show said it's easier to just do it in cash and we won't worry which implies to me that that is also like a tax cheat to not have her on, on staff and to just pay her 20 grand. She doesn't have to pay anything and to do whatever, but she also makes her sign the paperwork. We know the paperwork from earlier is a yeah. thing that uh, Whitney is, is not the one doing. And so I just wonder, I think in addition to, I definitely agree with you. Like the parent stuff has to basically be exposed um and, and come out. And, also, at the same time, like, I, I do wonder how much of this, like, it, basically in these scenes, Whitney, like, wants something to be on the up and up, but then clearly is also doing something that's not on the up yeah. and up. Yeah. I mean, I don't way.
2: know if the wire, tra- like, I don't, I, like, I don't know what her, like, vis a vis her debt, like, my understanding is that she, it, this is confusing because this, if this is a gift, then there are taxes associated with that. And it also could be traceable. So we would think that Wendy would not want to have I know I know that that's what, to be I traceable. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I so I'm not sure exactly what the motivation is there. I think that once like she has the money, like she's gonna say the network wants this, this, and this. Like the network is not the network does not care about having a uh, Kara consultant on like the show no. this is clearly like and i can see if whitney asked for this expense from the network then being like we're not paying for that like that's not right. so right. this is so i so whitney is kind of misrepresenting herself as being um speaking for the network here like when she i think is going kind of um you know off script here i think her the show is happy enough to
4: have a consultant. Whitney Rose, like, there's basically no money for it, or they're not going to pay twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for it. So Whitney chooses out of her own, like, this is the thing. This is how she can wield influence and power, and make herself look better. She can use right. her money. This is what she does with the jeans. This is what she's doing with buying these homes, right? right. Like this It's her. I mean, her parents' money that she's mm-hmm. then using to show that she's a good person, and it feels like she both like wants the reputational image of like Kara was a consultant on the show, and she also wants. To be friends so badly with Kara. She wants to have a cool yeah. friend who does cool, actual important art stuff in the world. Like mm-hmm. actual like, you know, stuff that is actually commentating on uh, commentary on society. Mm-hmm. And so she's willing to pay twenty thousand dollars to do that, mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I only charge you half that much, Grace. So That's right. it's a, de- a deal. <laughs> it's a really huh. good deal.
4: Yeah. Uh this is where uh Kara's like yelling at her roommate about she's using the 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 kitchen and also that her Mm -hmm. like fridge is like i said earlier that like her roommate seems terrible actually kara might be the terrible maybe yeah i think so like (laughs) locking your fridge and like Mm -hmm. you know being like i'm using the kitchen the woman just seems to be going to grab her laptop it's a very interesting note that like contentious between Kara and her roommate. yeah
2: yeah and again i think highlighting that like kara is somebody who has a roommate whereas like you know whitney has like 40 houses. It's like a difference in their social position. And also I think highlights just how important the money is to Kara and how like that amount of money is coercive and like, and, you know, and Kara is also, I think there's part of her that's like a little bit delighted by like taking $20,000 off of Whitney's hands just so that she can say like, um, yep, that's not racist.
4: Yeah. Um, when I was a when I was a kid, it was like the height of uh, "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire." When I was about nine or ten, and so and Survivor, obviously, was big at the time. And I'd always mm. think like, "Oh, a million dollars—that's the most amount of money." Yeah. And then I would watch like '70s reruns on the Game Show Network of like Card Sharks, and be like, Pff, so, so stupid—they only won like four thousand dollars. If you give me four thousand dollars now, I would be so delighted. Yeah. <laughs> You're like twenty grand, yeah, to just do yeah. basically nothing. Wow, what a dream. Um, Okay, so Whitney does get her to sign the paperwork. I love this line of she's like, "Yeah, like I had to sign the same thing because like my homes are art or whatever." <laughs> it's so funny. um But then she notices the basketball. I absolutely thought Whitney was gonna break something in the house—the basketball. <laughs> did you not? Did you think like she's gonna break a really piece good. of heart?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, she. she does. I think she does like the sort of like dribbling, yeah. like like awkwardly, like just sort of like a toddler just banging on the ball yeah like she's trying to be you know what she's giving the energy of you know that meme of like the woman putting the frozen vegetables on her head yes like, oh my yes. god i love her she's so crazy that's, <laughs> like right. that's, that's, right. That, that's who yeah. whitney is trying to be yes. she's like yeah. i'm so crazy i'm gonna play horse and i'm gonna like do i'm gonna make funny you know like I just I think that this is really a pitch perfect uh, portrayal here of this
4: kind of out of touch character. So they do play. Kara does play horse with her, and and I don't. Is your read on this? I, it seems like they're having fun. It does not seem like Whitney is having fun, and Kara's not really having fun. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like they're both enjoying themselves, and they're just playing horse. And I thought this was so interesting like Whitney to a degree has got what she wanted Kara signs a document and then she hangs out with her kind of as a friend yeah
2: yeah well so throwing Asher under the bus has worked it's like gotten it's gotten Whitney closer to Dougie it's gotten Whitney closer a better
4: show presumably
2: it's making the show better um and I think that you kind of like can't underestimate the pull of like. I just gave you twenty thousand dollars in cash. I know, and now I want to play. I want to make you play basketball with me. And Kara's yeah. like, oh, like how do you say no to the person who just walked in I mean, and gave true. you twenty thousand dollars in cash? Wow,
4: well, I fell for it. I was like, they're friends. It's like, no, she just paid her twenty grand. Like, of course.
2: <laughs> but they're... I do think that is like a little. bit, She's definitely a little bit warmer than we've seen, and I think we see her soften a little bit when Whitney says. That like starts to share that she thinks her marriage is falling apart. Um, so it's like just very, very, very manipulative, like Grace. And it's like, and I think that, and this is like the whole notion, you know, this episode is called Self Exclusion, and we've talked about the curse, the notion of like the curse is really like their own self fulfilling prophecy, like Asher's own self fulfilling prophecy of believing that he is cursed. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, there, I think very much there's this like, Whitney has started to present that her marriage is falling apart, and now she's going to actually make her marriage fall apart. Yeah, I think so.
4: So, Asher's listening to a recording of himself. He's listening to their fight about the news footage, and uh, he's taking notes, d- mm-hmm. dutiful notes, about yes. how he can improve his relationship with Whitney so is yeah. he recording all the time we didn't see him like turn his phone they, on when he came that's inside that's right?
2: teach you in cornell's hospitality oh, school that right. you have to record your that's conversations. Right. Um, yeah i took a picture of the screen so i could get what yes. asher's notes are he says agree more nod and smile keep the past in the past use a softer tone don't cut her off um there's something that's like really sweet and earnest about his attempts to improve. And like from Asher, at least I think that we can question what, how good and sincere his intentions are in a lot of his decisions over the course of the show so far. But I do think he does seem to really love his wife and want to keep his marriage together.
4: I completely agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the moment where he's, like, kind of, like, the most, he's not even, uh, well, yeah, when he does get upset with her is is the sweater fight, which comes from the fact that, like, she is trying to recreate their, like, you know, intimate funny moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and he, you know, he's happy enough just for that to have happened between the two of them, um, and, and then, yeah, he does get mad about, like. He feels like she casts judgment on him all the time, but yeah, he's he's trying. He's so earnestly trying.
2: He's, trying. he's trying something, and like you know, and she thinks he, you know, that he's sort of. She regards him as somebody who's always bad and selfish, and yeah. only does ever does a good thing because she's encouraged him to. Um. So while while there's something like very sweet about the way that he's like studying this and trying to take notes to improve, there's also something about this process that I think shows. just how unnatural of a, you know, self-aware, empathic person Asher is that he has to so like concretely operationalize all of these things like just how much this is not second nature to him um and it reminds me very much of what Nathan Fielder was getting at in the whole concept of the rehearsal yeah I was just gonna
4: say this yeah that
2: was like that was something that was an immediately bizarre premise because like most people aren't going to think like oh well the way to be honest with this person in my life and share this secret that I have is to recreate like everything about the room that that we're going to be talking in and like all this stuff like there's something that's very kind of like on the spectrum about paying attention to all of these little details and kind of missing the forest from the trees and it's like very much I think what the premise of the rehearsal got across. And it makes you think that this is something that is a deeply personal part of Nathan Fielder. Uh,
4: yeah, I think so too. I, I think that they, I think when you're, uh, you know, I think comedians in general observe the world so much. Like that's where you look for, your comedy and so when you're observing the world you just realize like how ridiculous and wild it is and i think nathan there's a very like neurodivergent read of like of the way that asher Mm -hmm. goes to the world in that you know people who um artistic or or you know somewhere on the neurodivergent scale Mm -hmm. of like the world doesn't really make sense and why do we do the things that like why do you know and so um you know there is that read of, of Asher. The other example of a thing that Nathan Fielder's not in this, but he executive produced. I don't know if you ever watched How to with John Wilson is oh, I've another watched
2: a little bit of it. Yeah,
4: another show that just like takes this person who's kind of like, why is the world the way it is? Look at all these mm. strange things about it. Um, and he'll often just like, tr- like you know, the show is How to, so it'll be like how to socialize at a dinner party or like mm-hmm. how to, you know, whatever the thing is, and he tries to like figure out how to do that thing and explain it and i i do think like you can feel the nathan feel their influence even though it has its own john wilson spin to that show but no i totally agree with you this felt so rehearsally of Mm -hmm. like if i just practice my conversations and 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 re re like listen to them and make Mm -hmm. notes about it i'll I'll succeed at it the next time which is i feel like there's such empathy i have for that Mm -hmm. and also yeah, like who whose responsibility in a relationship, Like that's what Whitney is is struggling with in terms of when she sees that like Nathan was laughing and and she thinks that and Dougie says this like I'm so surprised that you're with Nathan. I'm surprised Nathan is doing good things. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like one of the conversations they have in I think in episode one or two. Yes, is that a responsibility that Whitney has to have of like somebody who you know d- doesn't have that sort of like yeah natural empathy that maybe but but doesn't doing it also show that he does have some empathy like it's very interesting to me yeah yeah
2: yeah it's very robotic and it's very hard for him it's very much like work and and Whitney imagines that this is thing these are things that she does effortlessly and she is I think a slightly more gifted uh social you know socially intelligent person and I think she often uses it for manipulation but she's not quite as good as she thinks she is either and at least Asher has the intentions of improving their relationship whereas Whitney seems completely unconcerned by it
4: yeah um, okay the last scene here is Nala uh, in uh, in the in, hanging out at recess with another mm-hmm. girl she's chatting and then Josie full on runs into a wall and gets up and she's like bleeding and she needs help, and and Nala watches as Josie has been hurt on the playground. She ran into a wall. Did she fall into a wall? She hit the wall and then fell? Did, yeah, did Nala cause this curse? She fell. She, fell. she did she fall. Did, she did fall later. Not off the rope, but she did fall.
2: Nala does have a reaction like, oh, oh. shit, I think I did that. <laughs> Um, I, I could say as a parent of kids around Nala's age, they do fall a lot.
4: Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> they
2: spontaneously fall. Yeah. Um yeah, it it's something that happens. Um, yeah, I so we started the episode with like some revisiting of the idea. Like what exactly does Nala have power over? Could she possibly be successfully cursing people and making changes in the world. And the opening scene seemed to say, okay, no, she can't. She tried it and she can't. Um, I love that it ends with this scene, which I don't think is confirming that Nala can do curses, but it certainly leaves us in a more ambiguous space where, you know, now we see not only the effect that this belief has had on Asher, but this is uh, also having an effect on, on Nala.
4: Yeah, I think that's how I re- is that like I don't think it's real, but I do think it. Yeah, it's having an effect on knowledge. She thinks it could. She thinks it could be real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So which is what
2: was is exactly what her father was worried about.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's episode seven. Self exclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought pretty good. I thought uh, another good one. So only three another more to one. go. And yeah. uh,
2: three more to go. This was another good one. Another, another relatively tight one too, which we yeah. appreciate coming in at under 45 minutes. And that's how, you know, it's a comedy grace because once a show right. is over 45 minutes, it's a drama, but our it's next episode I think is going to be a little bit longer. So it's really okay. ja- genre defying yeah. work here by Nathan Fielder.
4: Well, I'm excited for next episode. time. It's called down and dirty. I'm very, I'm very excited mm-hmm. for that. Um, yeah. Um, All right, Amanda, before we return next week, what else you got going on? Where can people find you?
2: Mm, People can find me on Twitter where I'm at Dr. Amanda R. Um, Ariel and I just finished the first season of Six Feet Under Coverage, and we had the exciting announcement that we will be coming back in the new year to continue our Six Feet Under rewatch with season two. Very excited about that. And, Grace, you and I got together to talk about – the year in review succession.
4: We did. We did talk mm-hmm. about succession season four. Can't get enough of that thing.
2: I know it was really fun when we got back on the podcast. I was like, do we have stuff to say about succession? And then of course, like we couldn't shut up about yeah, it.
4: Went like more than an hour. Yeah. Went really <laughs> long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: what else do you have going on, Grace?
4: Uh, chatting Fargo, The Crown, uh, movies each week with Ariel. This week we had a double feature. Uh, we did Poor Things, Amanda and Emma oh, Stone yeah. feature. Um, and then we also chat about Wonka with I listened to
2: I listen yeah. to your Wonka.
4: Yeah. We're in a world of pure imagination. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good movie, bad musicals, my take. Mm-hmm. Um, and then full spoiler recaps each week with Jess. This week we'll be talking about A Murder at the End of the World with the Tanya Starks and Sarah Kerrigan. Um, I'm on social media at High From Grace. We'll be back next week to talk about episode eight, Down and Dirty, of The Curse. Until then, bye-bye.